Episode 9, The Docks of the Bay. Welcome to episode number nine of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. Okay, th- that was my moment, guys. You totally <laughs> stepped up. No, it's fine. Uh, we're all very eager to play. Uh, I am your Game Master Jeff. There's a bunch of other people around here. They have names, too. Uh, so so how are we feeling? Are we feeling all right? Pretty feeling, good, yeah. Feeling alive. Yeah, Zofia had a little bit of a close call. I thought she was a goner, but I couldn't. I just kept rolling over 90 and that's bad, uh, which is ridiculous. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I had like two or three crit fails in my combat with the siren. In our combat with the sirens, yeah, it's a shame. Soon though, one he's going down pretty quickly. Uh, we got to because we got to be grim and dark and stuff, right? Isn't that what we have to do? Uh, all right. So, what do we recall from our last episode? Uh, of course, Sophia threw herself off the boat yeah. to help someone. What an idiot, right? Just jumping. Oh, to help someone. Yeah, that's right. Into the cold, <laughs> frigid water. Yeah, the cold, frigid water. It was actually quite cold. I probably should have addressed that, but that's all right. It's fine. Moving on. Adrenaline. You know, yeah. Up. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, so, yeah, jumped into the water. You fought with some sirens. Mm-hmm. I Prevailed. missed every single attack. <laughs> poor Erwin's having a crisis of confidence. Uh, I did not. Yeah, yeah. Emily hit something. George uh, also very helpful yeah. in pointing out where the harpoons were. He missed too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I missed. I missed the attacks. I missed so many attacks with the siren, and then I missed attacks on the siren too. I was just missing left and right. It was very sad. Uh, that will not happen all the time. Uh, but then. Sophia was nursed back to health, or at least partially back to health, uh, with some supplies that Erwin provided, but then also by the lovely old couple. Do you remember their names? Henry. Martha and Henry. It was Margaret. And Margaret. Henry. Oh, wow. Margaret. Threw me off. Whoa. Stuber. Yeah, Stuber. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so it's a family of Sunbearer followers, which is uh, one of the one of the uh, one of like our homebrew gods. We we call them the Sunbearer, but like if if you're reading. If you're reading uh, this Vihander Corvo book, it's probably the closest approximation would be the God Emperor. So uh, very kind of similar, um, but some slight differences, but close enough, close enough for us. Close, not, not, you don't need to split hairs over it. Um, but yeah, they nursed you back to health, Sophia, mm-hmm. even though you had, if I recall, you had some slight aversions to the attention that you were getting. Is that right? Yes, there was a little kind of mothering that happened that yeah. was a bit uncomfortable. Ma- Margaret, and, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Henry loves to tell stories because he's an old man, and that's what old men do. Yeah, he's gonna tell you about his high school days when he. That's ageist. Yeah, when it's he, the same story over and over. Locked uphill, like <laughs> they never. Yeah, in the snow. snow. Yeah, <laughs> I went twenty miles in eight foot deep snow, and I was only two feet tall. Uphill. Yeah. What? Both ways. Uphill both ways. <laughs> I was like, I was starting that off with like a Bruce Springsteen thing, and then we just turned like a completely different way. I'm like, all right, that's fine. It's okay. Uh, and so after that, you guys tried to do a little mini like Ocean's Eleven thing going on. Do we? What, what happened? It went perfectly. Um, I'm praying. Yeah, yeah. So when I handed out corruption afterwards, it was off air. Uh, last episode for like again breaking into a place. Emily is like, I didn't do anything. I was praying. You weren't earnestly praying. You know, was, you know you were part of it. Erwin's the only success. one that was like, yeah. 
so you guys tried to bust into the smuggling compartment that Zofia had noticed and thankfully uh, survived to tell everybody. And uh, Chovy, who's really good at getting into small places, little match, uh, went inside, or not in that order, and noticed that they were the Plumhawk Trading Company, uh, the sigil of that, uh, of that wonderful company you used to work for. I uh, couldn't open any crates, didn't feel comfortable opening any crates, um, but you... They looked a lot similar to the ones that were described by your friend Bear when he was meeting with Alaric. Um, and you do know that Marie, who is the captain of the ferry, uh, was also speaking to Ludgara back in the in Edgar Ferry about uh, about Alaric. So you're getting some bits and pieces together. So it seems like there's something going on with Alaric with Marie, with whatever these are in these crates, what this has to do with your old company, you're not entirely sure, but there's something going on here. Um, whether it's nefarious, whether, who knows, but and they're in smuggling compartments and who knows. So anyway, you guys managed to, managed to break in, managed to take a look around, and then you proceeded to spend the rest of the day just relaxing, praying to the the east where the uh, the sun is risen over the white sea and you continued your northward travel uh, on the boat on the ferry i would like everyone to go ahead and make at this point i'm just going to make it a routine toughness test to just see how you're doing with being on the water bam bruno got Good dice tonight. Okay. Ooh, crit success for the one. Very nice. Sophia failed. Wow. I got uh, 32 and I needed a 42. So That's I passed. Pass? Pass. Pass. Okay. So, uh, what was the difficulty again? It was routine. That's zero. Okay. Uh, I failed. Uh, routine is, no, routine is um, plus 10. 10. Oh, I passed. Apparently. Okay. So we only have one fail, Sophia. The boatman. Okay. But she's injured. Okay. She's, she's injured. traumatized. That's true. Oh, man. That's a good roll. Uh, so take. <laughs> Take 11 points of physical peril uh, as you get a little sickly again. Perhaps it's lying down that you've been doing, recovering from your injury. Perhaps it's the guilt of uh, of tricking these wonderfully kind folks who were nursing you back to health for going onto the deck. Perhaps it was just, just recuperation, whatever it might be. But take 11 points of physical peril. Uh, crit success. If so, for you, not only do you not take any physical peril, but you can actually go up one step on the Ooh. the physical peril track or the uh, on your peril track. Excuse me. So if you were at un, if you were at imperiled, you can go up to unhindered. Nice. Okay. All right. So as the day progresses and it's a fairly uneventful day, and winds from from the east, and you are you hear called up from the deck. One of the uh, one of the crewmates um, shouts down something about land and uh, like arrival. And after after a few minutes of making sure everyone's collected, you head up to the deck and you can see in the distance, uh, still a ways away, but you can see what you presume to be and what some of the people standing around you confirm is finally your destination, the destination that you all have been traveling to for the last eight episodes. Bachman's Ruin. Um, now, Bachman's Ruin, again, is the the name for the entire territory. Um, and specifically, you all are heading to a village by the name of Verdum. And that is the only real established town slash city 
um, that the ruin currently has. And from your understanding, from what you've spoken to other people about, this is is really the centerpiece of this colony where there's a prison that's connected to it, where there's a prison laborer that comes out of it. There's mines, there's lumber, uh, there's farms, there's all sorts of other things that are satellites to this one particular town. So you look northward, you see it at a distance, you can see what appear to be, because it's a very clear, beautiful day, um, crisp, cool air, and you can see what appear to be very large, very tall mountains uh, that are barely barely breaking through in the distance. Um, and they seem to travel as far as your eyes can take you and as far as your the horizon will let you to the north and to the northwest. And after another hour of sail, you finally get within docking, you know, docking range. Um, there's various orders that are being shouted from Marie to her various crewmates, uh, making ready. Uh, the pilgrims have gotten gone down to the hold to get their various animals back into their cages if they were let loose for a, for an impromptu petting zoo, and uh, the wardens are making sure that everyone's everyone's in proper order, and so everyone seems to be getting ready. Um, and finally, the as you get really really close you get a good first glimpse of Vertum. So what you see is a multi-tiered, uh, a multi-tiered horizon, multi-tiered land, where a long, uh, a long dock seems to extend out into the, sh- into the waters. And you can see that that dock connects to a crisscrossing boardwalk that seems to go up a small ridge switchback, probably a good 50 to 75 feet upwards to where the actual level of the city seems to be, which is raised slightly above the water. Okay, so it's a little bit above the water, kind of overlooking. You can see on the the signs of plumes of smoke coming up from various chimneys here and there to suggest some level of activity. You can see as you're getting closer on the water that there are plenty of fishing boats that are docked or that are scattered about on the water here and there occupied people fishing some of them looking at you um some of them giving like a a polite wave but no sort of champion's welcome or anything like that um and you see that a, a small group uh has a uh, people have established themselves uh, on the docks you see there's got to be maybe a dozen maybe two dozen people uh, standing on the docks, and you can see a, there's one boat that seems to be moored right now to the dock. It's a little bit bigger than the small little fishing rowboats that you've seen before. Uh, there's one sail that is currently uh, is currently uh, wrapped up. It's not unfurled, and you can see that there are some figures standing in it. So the ferry itself is a shallow enough boat, and these waters are deep enough, um, very much like fjords, if you want to think about it in those terms, that the the ferry is able to get all the way up to the dock and there's various orders are shouted various lines are cast the boat is tethered and they start to unload in a out the front whereas when you all loaded you guys guys you guys were loaded in the back and the wagons can't be turned around or anything like that once they're in the hold so when they dock the ship they actually dock it so that the front part of the ship itself 
is actually facing the docks. So when the front wooden latch opens up, it almost creates its own kind of landing uh, landing ramp. And you can see people in wagons and farm animals uh, and the wardens themselves uh, begin to unload. Um, and anyone who is up on the deck, uh, you can go down and, and, and follow along. Now, as you all make your way with, with the procession uh, onto the deck, um, of the the actual the actual dock, you are you are stopped, and you can see that there the group of people that have been waiting uh, seem some of them seem to be dressed in the familiar, but faded and worn uh, colorings of, of wardens. Um, you also see a slender, tall individual wearing a plague mask, one of those long hooked hooked masks in the front, who is flanked on either side by these two larger individuals that have sacks on their head with some sort of mesh. You see another woman, very dark skin, uh, curly hair, and she is standing with a little bit of a smile. Like she seems, of all the people that you're looking at, seems to be the most friendly. Uh, and then you see another another man sitting on one of the posts uh, that seems to just be peeling away at some kind of root vegetable, maybe a carrot or something like that. And as you... As you all come up, the pilgrims as well, uh, individuals, uh, you get to the shore as they're kind of where, where these, these or near the shore itself, near the end of the docks where it widens out. And one of the wardens steps forward, exchanges a couple words uh, with some of the other wardens that were on your ship and begins to speak loudly so that everybody, including yourselves, uh, can hear. Um, and this this figure is a kind of a heavy set, husky looking man, probably a little over six feet, with some gristle, not a full beard, and some fairly heavy mutton chops. And he says, um, "On behalf of Governor Polk, we welcome you to the colony of Adam. Before." You can enter the colony. You must agree to abide by a series of rules and laws that, if you are citizens already of the Rhine, will be very familiar to you. But there are certain addendums. You must also submit to a proper medical examination by Doc Quarry. Or Dr. Ingle. You are looking for pox and disease, and should any of you be carriers, we have procedures that must be followed. As you all, I'm certain, to understand we are at the edge of civilization. So, should any of you be bringing uh, disease with you? It will spread like, like wildfire through the colony. We take this very seriously. None among you will be absorbed of this. If you could, please make two lines. I'll step forward, and what what do the two doctors look like? So, 
when he was nodding, um, and when he's talking, he was nodding in the direction when he mentioned two names. So the first one he mentioned um, was Doc Quelly, and when he mentioned uh, that name, he nodded at the direction of the dark-skinned woman with the curly hair and kind of like the little grin. And then he also mentioned Dr. Ingman. Uh, and when doing so, he nodded in the direction of the slender man uh, with, the, with the sort of the plague Dr. Mask who is flanked on either side. Um, as you step forward, you're kind of motion people like the, the wardens start putting people off. So it's like you don't really get your choice. It's more along the lines of everyone just starts quickly forming and then they make sure things get you know, get organized. And he continues, so while everyone's going through and getting checked, well, while this is happening for efficiency, I should note that while the Grand Monarch rests beyond seas and mountains to the south, their rule in their large dens here, in their blood, Governor Polk, is the final authority on all matters. Verdum's gates are closed just before sunset every evening and will not be opened unless on direct order from the governor. If you find yourselves outside the gates for whatever reason, you will have to make do on your own until sunset, or pardon me, sunrise. Any citizen trying to enter or exit Verdum after nightfall will be sentenced to one month. Hard labor. Should those of you who have chosen to come here voluntarily, should you choose to settle our land beyond the walls of Verdum, you must first register and purchase your lot with the landing office. Mr. Babler can direct you and he nods into the direction of the man sitting on one of the posts, peeling the apple, peeling the, the carrot. In doing so, know that you undertake responsibility for the security of you and yours. Should any of you be on this day, if you are given a clean bill of health, should any of you show signs of sickness, it is your civic duty to report your illness either to Doc Quelly or should circumstances allow it to Dr. Ingman. Interference. We have many, many industry and interference with any of these will be harshly punished. Any disruption of the Grand Monarch's lumber, mining, or quarry operations will be treated and punished as theft of the highest order. I say this not to scare you, but you must understand that the continued survival of this colony and its people depends entirely on the willingness of those within it to maintain order. You feel you will be unable to abide by any and all of these laws. You should turn around now and reboard the ferry. With that, I will leave the doctors to their tasks. 
good day. And he turns around, uh, leaves. Uh, you see him mention a few things to some of the wardens, including the one that you've met. Never introduced himself, just le- just leaves. Uh, and the wardens begin to start like waving people to come forward. And much like being at the TS- you know, TSA, going through TSA check-in, you're like waiting for the next available doctor. And one by one, you all you all go up. Before we go up, Kevis put uh, Emily and say, do you think they're going to catch uh, Christina's green elf disease? There it is. Mm. <laughs> and it's back. Okay. Continuing. Anyway, <laughs> glossing over. Wait, do we still have our cart and horse? Yeah, it's there. This? Yeah, you can oh, wheel it out. It's like everything Everything has been wheeled out onto the docks themselves um, slowly uh, so as to space it out um, and then uh, moved. So the dock itself is relatively relatively narrow, but wide enough for single file users of carts. And then where everyone's currently gathered around is where the dock widens and connects to the shore itself. And so that's kind of where everyone's at. So there's a milling of people that are either directly on the shore, uh, this rocky shoreline, or they are, are standing on the kind of the wood planks of the docks. And so one by one, you all go through uh, your checkups. Um, so half of you managed to get in oh, line. I'm ticklish. With Akwali. And she says, you're ticklish. Well, aren't you a cute little thing? And she starts to ruffle your hair and tickle you underneath your armpits. And she says, open your mouth. Eh. And so as, as you do so, she takes one of her fingers, not cleaning it off, just shoves it right into oh. your mouth, pulls your cheek aside. And she says, lift your tongue, please. Oh, oh. No, just lift it. Don't. I lift my tongue. Hold it up. Yes, yes. Okay, looking for. Um, okay, yes. Uh, have you uh, had any medical issues recently? Uh, just a scratch here. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. And infection of any kind? Don't think so. No. Um, look at me in the eyes. Yes. Okay, now to the left. I look to the left. And to the right. Mm-hmm. Up. Up. Down. Down. Okay. I think you're okay. You can, you can go. And so... Jovi is the first of you to be cleared. Next person gets called in, called over. Emily comes up and she's, oh, hello. Um, what, um, I ask, what happened to your hand? Oh, I was enlisted in the military. Oh, well, that's a pity. It's interesting craftsmanship, of course. Um, anyway, uh, and then she goes through the exact same process, getting you to open your mouth, yeah. getting you to look up and down. Um, she says, any signs of fatigue or rashes of any kind nope. vomiting nope. anything mm. okay all right you may move forward and one by one they go through some of you get the get the other guy so bear this you see wanders up hello uh, good day you are quite large could you perhaps kneel uh, yeah, just yes. Thank you. Um, have you had any illnesses late that we should be aware of? Mm, just seasickness on the way here. Ah, yes. The waters can be quite rough. Yeah, it's okay. Open your mouth, please. Yes. All right. So he starts doing the same thing, and he ta- his hand his hands are are gloved and covered. And you look over his body, you realize you don't actually see like any skin. Like he's got these long. 
they're robes, but they have like a, a tight kind of the, a tight leather top, and then these cloth robes go down. He's got his, his like all of his is fully sleeved. You don't see any skin whatsoever. The mask is kind of covering everything, and there's like that same mesh fabric that is on the heads of his two assistants. You can see fill, uh, flowing out the back of the mask as if it's covering the back of his head, down his neck, and over his ears. So you can, if you stare, you can kind of see through it a little bit, but it's like looking through netting, like really, yeah. really good textured netting. And he says, um, on your, on your uh, travel here, did you notice any mm, ill individuals, perhaps? Someone... Mm, throwing up, vomiting, mm, blood in the stool, perhaps. Mm, no one comes to mind other than the others that were seasick. Mm, there were multiple people with seasickness. Interesting. And you're sure it's seasickness. It's very easy to confuse one form of vomiting for another. Well, as you can see, I'm not a doctor, but uh, mm. that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Perhaps. Can't think of another reason someone would throw up over the boat. Mm. Yes, and you see him pull out a little notebook, this leather-bound notebook, and he makes some notes, scribbles, and doctor hand handwritings. It's very <laughs> difficult to tell what he said. It just looks like just like chicken scratch. Yes, you may proceed, but if you're, however, in the need of employment, I can use a very large individual like you. And you I look. Keep that in mind, Doctor. Doctor Ingman. Ingman. Yes, thank you. Yes, proceed. Send your friend forward. And at this point, at this point, Bruno comes up, and he takes a look at you. Hello there, Doctor. I'm Bruno. Yes. Um. Do you have any illnesses to report to me? I'm in perfect health. I'm looking at you, and I can see that there's a significant amount of evidence to the contrary. How so? What? I must tell you that you are obese. Oh. I guess. Don't worry. It is quite common for new arrivals to lose the customary... We call it the Freshman 15. <laughs> Likely within your first month or two you will lose 15 pounds what I'm saying so he goes through the same process and then eventually says you may go Erwin comes through does the same thing with you he's like yeah yes. um, so as you guys are huddling and kind of waiting for everybody else to come through you see Chrisita gets wheeled up Doc Quelly checks her and she you see her oh, she starts yelling the little bits and pieces you can hear just she's essentially berating the wardens for how did you let a woman like this travel like she's going to lose the leg all sorts of things essentially and to the point where her line slows down as the man that you had communicated with back in Edgar's Ferry the two of them are just yelling like full-on screaming at one another and everybody else starts moving over into the other man's line and as you're waiting, you notice the Stuber family goes through Henry and Margaret. Um, and you see Henry go up and he's like, he's speaking to the, the old man. And he, you know, I was a doctor back in my day. Oh, were you? So you, uh, you think you can help me identify a potential 
The only step from what I hear is possibly cascading through the people of the ship. Um, no, 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 not at all. Just uh, scrapes here and there, nothing. Yes. Um, open your mouth, please, sir. He takes a look. And you hear him. Oh, dear. Oh, Mark, this is just... Oh, this is this is no good. Um, and he looks up with a snap. He signals to one of the men that have the sacks over their heads. Yes, um, take this one. Load him to the into the boat, please. Yes, and the guy starts making a scene. Henry's just starts like, wait, no, I I I feel the best of health. What what are you what are you doing? I I I run two miles every day and I drink lots of water and I I'm in problem with a hip here and there. And, and, sir, you are you're infected and we'll not have. You bringing whatever filth is cascading, coursing through your veins into the streets of this good colony. And then, as he's freaking out, the the big heavy guy with the the, the beekeeper net on his head just slams him into the into the boat. Margaret gets up, clearly freaking out, and he starts going through. And he's like, "Oh yes, I I assume." This must be your wife, sir. She's as near, just as infected. Yes, does another snap, and you see the other one of his guards, his, his big big bodyguard type, scraps her, and the two of them are just absolutely screaming. Carl Stuber is going is going insane. He's like, how, how dare you? What a- I'm going to try and go get the other doctor. Uh, so you go up to Doc Quali, and the two of them are arguing. And they look at you there, sir. You've been cleared. You can you can go, ma'am. I'm sorry to interrupt, but what do you want? These fine people helped um, my friend, and this other doctor says that they're sick, and I was with them the whole time, and I don't think that they were sick. He said something about a influenza, and no one was sick on the boat. And she sighs. She says to we'll uh, we'll continue this later, Ralph, and then she'll wander over with you thank you so much and uh she says to the man so i'll just rp with myself some more um <laughs> she says to, to doc doc Ingman, you know what uh you know what's going on and he's like, they seem to be um, some sort of lapse field fever I'm not entirely sure um going to take them back to the ailing isle and i'll examine them and if after a few days quarantine if they are if they have shown signs of improvement, if the sports within their throats have cleared, I will gladly release them back to the population. And so she seems to be very frustrated, visibly, and then she turns to you and she says, I'm sorry, sir, there's nothing I can do. If Dr. Ingman has identified them as having an illness, then he is in charge of the medical well-being of the colony, and I have to abide by it, but... And there's just... They're, they're in the boats now, they're crying, like the two big guys are sitting on either sides of them, not letting them get up. Like, you see a big meaty paw on each of their shoulders just holding them down so they won't get up. The little girl, she's crying as well. Everyone's freaking out. Carl, Carl Stuber is, like, in the face of wardens who are, are like, Sir, you need to calm down. Calm down right this instant. Um, you guys doing anything? 
You don't have to. You can just yeah. We should get going. Uh, we're cleared. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sophia has definitely been hovering toward the back of the line and avoiding this whole process. Okay. I'll ask like one of the wardens, like, what's what's going to happen to these these guys? And so one of them just says, um, "I'll go to the Ailing Isle, and what happens there? It's England's business. He's very rarely wrong, from what I understand. So." You're quite lucky that you didn't catch whatever it was that they had. I hope it's nothing serious. If it's, if it was something not serious, I doubt he would have isolated them as he's done so. You're very fortunate. Mm. Um, likely, you will need to pay doubly close attention to your health before of the next few days. And if you see any signs, then be sure do your civic duty and report. Of course. Um, finally, you walk up, Sophia, and he, Ingman, who looks at you. I'm trying my best to not have a limp, not look like I have any issues. Okay. He just looks at you and he says, oh dear. So he goes through the same process, takes a look in your mouth, ah. takes a look at your, <laughs> look at your eyes here and there, and he says, yes. I don't see any clear signs. Um, I'll let you depart for now, but again, if you feel any shortness of breath, any trouble with your stool, perhaps, if the vomiting persists, speak with Doc Quilly immediately, and we will arrange to have you and whoever else shows such signs shipped to the Ailing Isle. Well, are we done here? And Doc Quelly, she acknowledges it as everyone has passed through at this point. And you see Ingman hop into the boat with the two beekeep, beekeeper head people. I got to think of a better word for that. <laughs> and uh, the old Henry and Margaret, the kind people who cared for Sophia, and they begin rowing uh, northwestwardly up the coast in a way from the dock. Meanwhile, Sophia would look for a warden. Mm-hmm. There's there's a good dozen or so on the around that are everyone's starting to disperse at this point. Um, some of them are doing their best to assuage the 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 Stuber, the Stuber family and talking to him, cooling him down. Uh, Ralph Wilhelms, the lieutenant you spoke to when you were in Edgar Ferry, he and Doc Quelly seem to have departed as well, continuing whatever argument that they had going. They leave. And there's just a handful of people around your your carts, your wagons. People are being directed um, westward down the coast until with the wagons themselves for an easier ramp up. Those without uh, who aren't carrying for any kind of wagon are just going up the the actual boardwalk uh, to the to the top of the top of the ridge. Uh, so what are you doing? Sophia just wants to ask a warden: When people go to the Ailing Isle. They come, they come back when they're better? Kyle kind of looks down at you, um, in theory. But do they actually? Um, in theory, <laughs> I, I don't, don't really keep track of it myself, but listen, I don't really have a, any sort of training in healing. I trust the doctors. They've they've squelched more than uh, a pox or two in my time here. So if they say that your two friends are sick, then your two friends are sick. That's how I feel. I'm sorry. 
Okay, thank you for your time. I'm gonna go talk to Doc Quelly. Again, I'm gonna give. She started the walk. No, she she's she's already started to walk away. I'm gonna run up to her then. I'm gonna give her a, a silver shilling and say thank you for trying. She takes it and. Uh, um, I get the. She feeling. looks very confused. Looks at her hand as if yeah. like the strangest thing just happened. Someone I, was just generous to her. I get the feeling that perhaps you might not agree with him sometimes. She looks over at the warden who's standing next to her and you, looks back to you, and she says, almost through gritted teeth, we certainly have professional disagreements, but I don't doubt his intentions are to keep the colony and its people healthy. Thank you for your time. Uh, Where can I find you if I need anything? Um, I have a I have a small clinic uh, next to the Box Elder in the middle of town. Okay, thank you. And as you walk away, she grabs you by the arm and she kind of leans in close and she says, "Um, this type of generosity will be met with great skepticism here. If indeed you meant it kindly, know that there are many here who will see it as underhanded attempt at guile or manipulation. And then she lets you go. And then she turns around. And the welcome wagon apparently is over. No banners, no fireworks. And there's still this guy just sitting there, kind of watching this whole thing, sitting on a sitting on this uh, this post, just cracking into a carrot as if he's been enjoying the whole show. Dressed Honestly, better than anyone uh, here. This seems to be well dressed. Mm. What do you guys want to do? So about that smuggler's compartment, I got a little sneak peek. So apparently, do you really think this is the place to be talking about this huh? right now? As you look around, there are still people, but the, everyone's start in the process of leaving. But there's yeah. still people lingering. There's a guy like right there. Look, we just need to come up with a different name for that. We're gonna call it the. The cuddle compartment. Restroom. The restroom. <laughs> the outhouse. How about it's talked about later? All right, I'll tell you about it later. Okay. So, the man, like at this point, hops down off the the post, kind of wanders up to the to the, the lot of you who honestly are are the only people left lingering. Even some of the crew have left at this point. Um, you imagine they're probably gonna stay for the night or something or you know whatever it is um marie you didn't see her leave but you see so so some of the crew who were standing in line for the the med check he walks over to you and he's like greetings welcome to verdom and he cracks his back in the process i actually did manage to crack my back when i did that (laughs) i felt so good um welcome to verdom first time i take it yeah well, you've got that green look about you. Yeah. Thank you. But the doctor said I was healthy. Yo, you're the funny one, I imagine. <laughs> Literal. He he tries. Well, welcome, welcome to our humble abode, um, Markov. And he reaches his hand out oh. to start shaking. Markov, Babla, pleasure, pleasure to meet you. Erwin Ganser, pleasure to meet you as well. Ha ha ha, Ganser, like you already, wonderful. And I'm Bruno. Good to meet you. 
Yes. So, um, if you've got accommodations, if you've got um, work lined up, what is it you're here for? You are one of those religious wackadoos. Doesn't seem to be, not seem to be associated with them. Doesn't seem think 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 God. I imagine. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hundred pardons if I'm wrong, of course. We are here on a job, but we can, you know, do more. We're looking for some people. Been Looking missing. for people. Well, I'll tell you what. I just have to know just about every single person in this entire land. Every single one. From here, the farthest reaches of the north, and probably a wee bit farther. <laughs> He's got this wonderful smile. Just a winning smile, big, bright white teeth. He's dressed really, really well. Has this beautiful little hat that's got a nice little feather kicking out of it. Yeah, yes, yes. Looking for someone. Someone in particular. Yes, we're looking for someone by the name of Harold Ratsliff. Of course there's no one here named Harold Ratsliff. I don't know. No, don't know him at all. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, perfect. I just wanted to see if you're trying to scam us or anything. So, no, in truth, are you... I'd be happy to lend aid, of course. Do you know anything about uh, a couple months back, a couple of people going missing? Out in the forest? Oh, we've got people going missing in the forest uh, all the time. It's as common as the rain. Well, well, maybe a little less common. Has anyone ever returned from going missing? Sure, sometimes. They just get lost, wander away from a from a lumber crew. Or some of those dwarven miners get a, a bit too heavy into their cups one night and wander away from the quarry and end up in a, in a bird's nest or something, you yeah. It happens. Yeah. Some of them don't come back, of course. It's a very dangerous place. That's why I stay firmly within the walls. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I never mentioned it. I happen to be the owner, the proud owner of the Box Elder. It is a wonderful, fine establishment. Uh, you'll find it at, uh, at our city center. Yes. Uh, like a bit of gambling, like a bit of drink, like oh. a bit of a little fun here and there. Occasionally you have uh, proper business, but yes, you can come on down at any time. Is that a place we can stay at? Um, don't really do the room renting thing. Um, Who does? Uh, you didn't make these arrangements before you came. That's curious. Um, well, you can speak with Loudon. I suppose he's one for taking in... Let's call them orphans and those without homes, I suppose. Yes. Yes. Speak with Loudon, I suppose. I'll be sure to pay you a visit. I do enjoy gambling on occasion. Ah, it'll be wonderful to have you. have got dice games and card games and other games, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Well, I don't quite know you that well yet. What oh. was your name again? Buffoon? Bruno. Yes, Bruno. I'm sorry. What was that you said? <laughs> I must have misheard you the first oh, okay. time. Yeah. <laughs> Markov, I have a bit of a serious question for you. Mm. When well, they are serious questions. When people come off the boat and are sent to the ailing isle. Yes. Do they come back? No, never. Ever? Uh, they're good as dead, pretty sure. Yeah. Sophia's face definitely goes from slightly hopeful to crestfallen. Yes, on the bright side, they, they seem to have lived full lives already. I've seen children get sent on that 
about before. It's quite heartbreaking if you care about that sort of thing. And he just takes a bite out of his carrot. Is that, uh, I don't, but whatever. Is that Doctor Dufuki things to them? No. I think it's experimental things. I've never been there. No, I don't think so. It's quite an odd thing to say. I just don't trust a guy with a mask. Um, it's proper procedure. It's actually oh. Dr. Quali who really should be wearing one too. We've had some problems of late with some rampant fox's disease, a bit of the Grey Plague a few months back that many, many, uh, many of us fearful that we might be next, so uh, they take it quite seriously. Who is it? Who runs the lumber groups that go out? Yeah, there's a few. Um, there's, if you're thinking about doing your you can do your own, of course, um, as long as you pay your proper percentages. Um, but the, uh, the Plumhawk Company has a outage here. They have a outpost. Um, then there's uh, obviously the prison crews, uh, but that's all within the Crown. Uh, uh, they have their own cheap labor. <laughs> they wouldn't need any additional workers, of course. Um, but yes. The person that uh, I'm looking for was supposedly one of the woodcutters for the crown, one of the prisoners. Yes, uh, quite a few people take that job, of course. Uh, it's uh, fresh air outside the stuffy walls of Verdum. Uh, good exercise, I suppose, if you care about that. Not really. My f- last, I feel we found something we agree upon. <laughs> ah. Have we actually told you the name of who we're looking for? No, I'm waiting with open ears. And yeah, it'd make it so much easier if you just told us where Gabriel it's is. It's the same. I've, oh, uh, Gabriel so, Zyger. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, his name sounds familiar. Yeah, can't say I was know him too well. But I probably went, um, was that about maybe... Four, five months ago, perhaps something around that. Sounds about right. Can't quite remember, but yeah, yeah it's a pity. I think he's one of the ones who never returned. He's a friend of yours, I think. He's who yes. we're looking for. He is probably dead. Honestly, it's been a few months. No one really survives outside the wall unless they've made their own homes. And if he was part of the woodcutting crew, as I believe you're correct, then I don't know. I'm sorry, I'd be the one to tell you, but um, if that was the entirety of your business, um, it's a pity, but you might just want to get back on the boat and return. We're looking for a sister as well. Sister, yes. Um, yes, the um, devout one, yes. She's over at the Abbey, I believe. At least that's the last I've heard. We'll, we'll go meet her then, if she's in town. She's not in town. I said she's at the Abbey. Oh, of course. I'm sorry. I've totally forgotten. You are very green. Would you mind if we move? I, I, this is very awkward standing here. Like sure. everyone's gone. Uh, we can, we can, you can walk and talk at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yes, the abbey is far to the west. Follow the road out to the west gates. Go past the ducks, and about a few hours later, you'll be at the abbeys and its farms and its territories. They've got their own separate fields and. Out there somewhere. 
They like to be right on the coast so they can see, apparently, the sun for the longest amount of time in the day. Since it's so late in the day, perhaps we should go tomorrow morning. Mm, I won't be leaving, but you're welcome to go whenever you like, but... I just like to get to lay of the land, need to feel for if there's any individuals of particular talents or interests that arrive, and hmm, there might be a potential diamond in the rough or two in the other group. I'm just joking, of course. <laughs> Jeffrey, do we have our cart still? Or is it with the? Um... It's there. It's it's sitting around waiting. Yeah, it's waiting for you all to direct it. Did they uh, take? Christy out of it then? Put it in a new one or something? Yeah. Okay. Well, they did that. They did that before. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> they, had, they had moved her at a certain point into the into the wards and stuff. Yeah. Of course, Jeff. Yeah. You yeah. didn't lock eyes and wave goodbye to each other? We did. Off screen. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Sent your little hearts. I was joking. Oh, gosh. I'm joking. Yeah, then we just take another car with us too then. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And so as you all turn to like kind of go up the road a bit to where you can follow the ramp, he looks at you all and he's like, oh, um, I'm just going to take the stairs. So pleasure meeting you. Uh, the Borselda is at your disposal. Um, 20 hours of a day. Um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, after dinner drinks, afternoon tea, whatever you like. We have... Pretty much anything you would ever want. Um, so, good. Uh, yes. One final question: the the gentleman who did the introductions when we were getting off the boat. Mm. Oh, him. Uh, it's one of the governor's retinue. I think his name is Jonas, I believe. He mentioned something about having to go register. Do we need to do that if we're not going to stay long are you term? taking are you taking land no and no okay we didn't want to accidentally break a rule and inadvertently no but if you're concerned with rule breaking perhaps you're not as interesting as I thought you were but now only those settler types those wanting a new life or something some such etc register with the land office no. Some just stay here in the city, others just leave. Uh, a very interesting mix of people. Hopefully you can add to the equation rather than subtract from it with your boredom. Anyway. It was a pleasure. Oh, of course. Pleasure was all yours. <laughs> and he does this like very flamboyant bow and throws his cap back on and starts to march up the stairs. Are we alone now? Yeah. Looking around, you don't see anyone. You wait a few minutes to see him go. I check for invisible people. Miss Dogan. Now would you like to talk about what you found? (laughs) It's peculiar, man. Yeah, he's a chappy fella. But the restroom I was looking for on the ship. What's that? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah. The restroom. Apparently, uh, they had those crates. That bear saw. Plum Hawk logo. Oh, did you take anything out of them? Oh, I couldn't get it open. I didn't get a chance. Did you try? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Your distraction wasn't long enough. I had to get out of there. Dude, that that lady, dude. She just wasn't buying it. I tried, man. I tried my Bruno Charm. 
I heard her complaining about it. You're standing just behind her, like super creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's my charm. Yeah, it was uh, pretty obvious. What? That gentleman that we just met seemed quite interesting, and he mentioned that uh, he didn't think you would be as interesting because you weren't interested in rule breaking. I find it's good to make a good first impression so people think that you're going to do what you're supposed to do and then they don't really pay attention to you later when you don't. It's true, but if the fact that he mentioned that and he has a gambling house where you can gamble. Nah, that or we could fight beneath the books, you know? Usually it's something like that. Perhaps uh, he is somehow involved in whatever this is. I'm still kind of surprised that uh, you went through with it, but I understand the curiosity. Uh, Perhaps something will come from it. We should be careful with what information we have. We are in a town of criminals. Well, partially. It's often good to know the people in the know. I find that that doctor is very odd. I don't think that there was anything wrong with those people. Really? I thought he was just doing his job. They're sick. I don't believe that they were sick. If there's a plague passing through here, it's done. I don't believe that they were sick. It's hard to tell it's not on the surface. When they were taking care of me, there was absolutely no If they were sick, they they were touching her wounds. She would get sick. If they were sick, she would have been sick. I agree, Irwin. I just really like this conversation because this is a conversation among people, none of whom have the actual rank in the hill yeah. skill. This no. is hilarious. No, no, no. Yeah, no. It's pretty funny. Well, like, regardless, I've... if we'd like to get more information, he did offer Bear a job, so... That is true. That is a potential avenue that could be explored. You could at, be a some, at some point... Oh, it's probably uh, later, moving bodies like those netted guys. At some yeah, point, I will uh, go speak to the other doctor. Perhaps she'd be more willing to talk if she was alone. I got the sense that she didn't like the other doctor very much. Well, that and you did, you did chase her down when she was talking with a with a warden. Twice. I interrupted her conversation. I didn't realize that she was talking to the warden. I thought she was just leaving, and the warden was there. Well, no, you literally yeah. interrupted an argument. Well, yeah, I interrupted. The first time it was an argument. The second yeah. time they were on their way out and like starting up a conversation, but. Second time wasn't as bad. First time was a clear. Oh, yeah. 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 Maybe you helped defuse the situation. Maybe. Yeah. I doubt it. I'm not very good at that kind of thing. So, being diplomatic. are you guys staying still? Or are you in the process We're of like moving? We're walking. We got okay. to get in. Go okay. So, you start going up the ramp. And as you do, it's, it's like a switchback. You start going up, and then you peel back, and then up once more. And then eventually, you come to a rise. When you look to the left, um, which would be westward, you can see the gates. Um, as you are now on the full ridge where the where the the city proper, the town proper actually is, the gates themselves seem to extend from the very southern portion of this this somewhat cliff height, um, all the way in a crooked line in a north northeasterly direction. You see that they are they're made of wood. They're just like these, you know. There's timber, nothing nothing special with spikes at the very top. That they're kind of shaved in the way. There's no wall or anything. Um, you do, however, see that there is. A watchtower that seems to be overlooking the uh, the, the the main gate. Uh, there is some semblance of actual road here, uh, but incomplete. So there's like looks like someone has started to do cobblestone, um, like this crude stone 
but it's not the it's kind of shoddy worksmanship um, but it, there's certainly the intent to have some kind of paved roads um, you can see that there is at least one guard up on top of these uh, of this this guard house and there's more that are standing uh, or excuse me the watchtower and there's more that are milling about below the gates are currently open um, and as you look to the west the sun is on its way down so you would imagine they'd be going maybe closing up pretty quickly you see some people that are kind of hustling in. You can you look through the gates. You can see some wagons and stuff. People who seem to be moving at a relatively quick pace as if they're trying to get to town before nightfall. Um, you can see that the as, as you continue to track um, the actual walls for a bit, they stop briefly as it looks to be there's a large expanse of water, uh, maybe a, a very big pond or a small lake um, where the... The walls just kind of, they, they, they come up to and they, they sort of tuck around, but it seems to be kind of a weak spot, perhaps. Uh, and then you lose sight of it as buildings begin to uh, appear, not out of nowhere, but they're there as you're just tracking from left to right. And you see there's been no clear planning. There's no clear roads. There's different heights. Some of them are two-story, many of them are one-story, some of them are small, some of them are a little bit large and grandiose, some of them have balconies, some of them just don't. And you're just peering around, and everything just spirals out. Roads just drift off in different directions. Some of them might be alleyways, some might be boulevards, you're not really sure. Uh, as you continue tracking your eyes uh, across the horizon, you look northward and then a little bit northeast, and you can see a ridgeline begin to go uh, upward as you your eyes follow up to the looks to be the mountains themselves and you can see at the oh several several hundred yards up almost as if it's lording over the actual town itself you can see what looks to be a fairly prominent structure a large manor house of some kind what appears to have its own private uh, private gates and then there's what looks to be a well-trodden trail that weaves its way down um, in the dying light down into town um, when you look off to the east is where you see the majority of town and then back to the south is, is the ridgeline and the cliff that leads back into the White Sea what do you all want to do? get into town yeah, so you we are in town uh, okay. find a spot for a cart and horse okay. and a place to stay for the night that has rooms Okay. I'll kind of walk towards the wardens a little bit and I'll go excuse me sir Okay. so you just track down a random warden on the street yeah. uh, Yes, miss. Hi, um, I was looking for Luden Hertz. Uh, Loudon? 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 I'm sorry, I'm not from the area. Yes, um, yes, he runs a boarding house, I guess, um, of on the east side. Is yeah. it in town, or? Oh, yeah, it's in town, of course. Um, it's on the east, uh, by the east gate down to the prison. It's over there. It's where he gets most of his inmates, anyway, most of his his tenants from something like that so over there gotcha thank you and then um i was also looking to see uh if there's an ivo or a wilhelm uh well you already know wilhelm ralph ralph wilhelms is one of the guys oh okay okay so he was the one that was actually talking with doc quality yeah okay so we're looking for ivo and uh, the two of them exchange glances so there's a a relatively short man and then a tall woman that, that were just patrolling around and they look at each other and um what about Ivo? Uh, we just have an acquaintance who we met and he was asking for us to get in contact with him. Mm, 
acquaintance of Ivo. He's called friends, and they're both kind of like exchange like his friends. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, we uh, we we know uh, a Richmond and uh, a Zyger, Master Zyger. Hey, look, Zyger. Name sounds familiar, but no. Um, I hate to be the one to tell you, but he um, he came down with plague, great plague, a few months back. And oh. They all kind of they look down at the ground, swallow a little bit. It's um. It's not just the uh, it's not just the colonists and the prisoners who get sick. It's uh, occasionally it's the wardens as well. And uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, we still hope maybe he he returned, but it's been so long at this point. I doubt. I doubt we'll see him again. Did he get sent then to the Ailing Isles? Uh, yes. Yes. Um. But uh, if you speak with uh, his friends, um, I didn't know him well. He was a very odd um, person, to be honest. Um, but he uh, he did his job. Um, it was always punctual, and um, yeah. And uh, but uh, I didn't. We tried to contact family, but couldn't find anything documented. Uh, but if he's got friends, um, please um, express our. All condolences. Will do. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, uh, are you new here? Yes. We just got. We just arrived. Well, uh, welcome to Verdum. Um, may uh, your stay here be well better than Ivo's. And uh, the two of them, they take their leave. Okay. So then Emma kind of like walks back over to the group, and she's like, "Well, Ivo's a, a bust." But, uh, Luden? Loudon. Loudon. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, Loudon. So think of it like it rhymes with now. Okay, yeah. Um, Loudon is over on the east uh, exit, pro- closer to the prison. Um, so the abbey's more towards the west, prison's more towards the east. Um, did you guys want to go to the abbey or did you want to go? go? I thought the abbey was out of town. The abbey is out of town. I wouldn't suggest going out there no. now, yeah. but. But yeah, but uh, supposedly Ivo got the plague, and he also got sent to the Ailing Isles. But uh, I highly recommend that we probably visit Loudon. We should find a place to stay. Yeah, he is the only. From what I, I'm hearing, is he's the only boarding house or halfway house in in the area. You just camp, right? Camp outside. Or inside? Do they let you camp so, in town? So looking around, I mean, you guys, you guys are barely in town. Uh, the town yeah. itself, I would say, I mean, the last major town you guys were in was Vicehaven, and then you were in the small town of Edgar Ferry, like was more like a like a village, right? This is somewhere in between. So this isn't this is nowhere near as big as Vicehaven, which has you know something in the neighborhood of fifteen hundred to two thousand people or so in and about the town, and Edgar Key had a couple hundred. This is somewhere in between. So maybe. 700, 800, something like that, scattered about. Not necessarily all within the walls. Um, so you can probably, this is the type of thing you probably could have sussed out just by doing basic background on where you're going. Um, so somewhere in that kind of neighborhood. Um, but looking around, you don't, I mean, you, there's people in the streets. Uh, some of them are drinking. Some of them are seem to be moving from one place to another. You don't see anyone camping out, though. 
I don't think it seems appropriate to camp out in town. Yeah, you would get you get the. I mean, you knew right when you got into Edgar Key. You're looking around. There's various camp, you know, tents and tents set up. Like it was, it seemed to be a thing. But here, it doesn't seem to be the case. Going outside the outside the outside the uh, the gates would be fine. You would probably imagine like they can't. It seemed to say like if you go outside, yeah, it's just you're on your own. Is basically what they they said, which is fine. So you were on your own when you traveled to Edgar Key too. So it's up to you. We should at least see if it's affordable. It would be much safer than going outside. Well, I mean, even if it's not affordable, once nightfall falls, that's our chance to leave the gates before. Okay. So, um, you want, so you're, so if I'm understanding you correctly, you're, you're going to try to track, track down Loudon. Is that right? So we have a long list of things that we need to do. Yeah, you have a variety of leads and people to contact and, uh, dare I say them, strings that you might want to pull on. <laughs> so there's, uh, I want to talk to Oswald, who's in the mines, for Ludgera, a lady back in Edgar Key. Uh, then we, there's the person in charge of running the uh, Ryan's uh, logging. Uh, we want to talk to him and see if he has any more information. We need to possibly uh, investigate and see if uh, gambling has anything to do with the crates. We could also possibly uh, go to the Plum Hop Trading Company and say, hey, these people have uh, some of your crates. Yeah. You know, s- st- uh, snitches yep. get stitches. Uh, yeah, totally. yeah, I don't really. Yeah, Just, just, just enough. They might be in on it. Yeah, it's true. They could be. Um, and then there's going to the Abbey. Uh, there's going and finding out what the heck's going on with the ailing isle, or going to the actual prison. There's all kinds of stuff we can do. Yeah, and it's kind of sandboxy. Yeah, I didn't see anyone, or Chobi didn't see anyone like taking those crates off that he saw the boat. Not while you guys were the there. Stuff. Not while you guys were there getting checked. No, we could probably talk to the guy we met on the way in. See if he knows something about it. Or at least try Just to don't tell be about it. Too obvious about <laughs> it. Hey, those crates. Maybe uh, let's yeah. lay out all of our cards. Maybe you could uh, sneak in the watch and see if anybody takes them somewhere. Surely they haven't taken them out yet. Isn't that back outside? No, it's still. It's inside. outside the gate. Outside the gates. Right? Yeah, it is. It's not. It's not outside the gate. It's down back to the. So like the docks can be accessed from inside the town, right? But the bay that basically remember that the town itself is on a cliff or it's on a ridge, okay? And then the shore, the docks are a little bit lower. And so you guys run up a ramp, but you guys were still inside the actual the gates themselves. So yes, you can go down to the docks. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things you guys could potentially do. It's the this is where, like I said, this is where I think hopefully the campaign starts to really blow up and. It makes it a lot more difficult for me to prepare for sessions because I have no idea what the hell you guys are going to do. Of course, we have one first step, guys. Yeah. Let's Sleep. go check out Loudon. Yeah. Do we want to... Loudon. 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 Rhymes with now. one person watch and see if someone takes the crates out, take them somewhere? Yeah, I'll sneak around and see if I can well, get... Well, we can't see at night, buddy. It's going to be dark out. That is true. That's true. But if you do see, You do a... see that there are there are various... Lamps here and there, but no one's lighting them. I imagine if they take them out at night, they have to have some way to see. Yeah, but we would be hiding in the shadows, and then, like, you know, we don't know this land at all. We could walk off a cliff without knowing it. It's true. 
They're saying we don't know this place at all yet. And we've only been here for like 20 minutes and it's almost dark. I just, I'm against watching it tonight. It's alright, we know it's there. We can always come back to it. But yeah. it may not be there tomorrow. You know that they stay for usually at least a day, sometimes longer. It really depends on what other businesses. The ferry is, like, what they, they don't just, they're not there just the ferry people. Sometimes there's there's businesses here, right? And then there's requests, there's, you know, there's other things. Like, and as you get the lay of the land, you'll you'll understand a little bit more of it. But it's enough for you to logically conclude that even a, even a colony relatively remote like this one is still has needs that it can't necessarily, it's, it's mostly self-sustaining, but sometimes there are other things that they need to concern themselves with. You also know that the, the, the monarchy has interests up here, right? You know that you've, there was at one point it was mentioned that they found a, a, a nice grove of ironwood, which is a very prized wood. There's, there's other things. And at some point that, that stuff has to be shipped, right? And it's gotta be shipped away. So, whether that's only, and as far as you know, that's like the only major large ship that comes and goes. So, so since it doesn't seem like there's an obvious place for us to keep an eye on it tonight, then maybe we just go to Lauda and then figure something out tomorrow. Works for me. Okay. Um, so, since you guys don't entirely know where you're going, <laughs> you're just kind of heading east as best you can. Um, you pass by all sorts of folks. You pass by places that some of which actually have signage indicating services. You pass by others that don't, that just seem to be nondescript buildings. You pass by what looks to be some sort of crafter's row. You see some kind of blacksmith that seems to be closing up shop for the evening. You see a couple carpenters that appear to be uh, doing the same across the, the street from, from that person. Um, you see what looks to be what was referred to as the box elder, and you see this big sign, probably the biggest and most gaudy sign of anything that you've seen thus far. Uh, it's got this bug, uh, some weird looking bug on it, and underneath it written, carved very crudely into a large plank of wood, it just says, The Box Elder. Um, and there seems to be a decent crowd of about, you know, seven to twelve people milling about outside, and you can hear the sounds of merriment uh, spilling out from some of the windows. Um, you see... Down the street, there, the same woman that you all encountered down by the docks, uh, but you know her as Doc Quelly, and she is, uh, you see her walking about, no longer with the, with the warden, but with a small child. You, you pass by numerous people, most of whom don't even really look you in the eye. A couple of them eye you quickly and then quickly shift away. Um, no smiles or anything like that directly towards you. And uh, you feel uh, you feel like this cold gust of wind that cuts through the alleyways and just smacks you right clear in the face. Um, and you, for the first time, realize how lost you guys actually are. Like I don't, we don't know where you're going. You do see eventually, after a little bit of movement, um, you see the eastern wall crop up, and you see a row of buildings, not all of which have signage on them. There's nothing there that says Loudon. There's nothing there that says dormitory. There's nothing there that says halfway house. There's just all sorts of different buildings of various sizes. As you're passing by some of these folks, you ask them, uh, Loudon? Dormitory? Something like that? And a few of them just point. Uh, and so you eventually track down the building. And you can see that this building has some 
There's an alleyway around the, the back that seems to take it to some kind of stabling area. You see there's all sorts of people that are working. Some people are sweeping. There looks to be uh, some kind of cook, cooking pit, cooking fire going on on the left side, like when you're looking at it, the northern side of the house, as if there's a group of people that are doing some sort of cooking pit. Um, and, uh, and there's a large two-sided door that are open, that are swung clearly open, and there, it seems to be a fairly fairly busy place. We all go inside. All of you. Okay. I will wait by the carts. Okay. Preferably with someone else. Okay. Anybody else staying I'll back? wait by the cart. All right, cool. Two Ooh, we corp- get the bond. There will be two corpses when you get back, instead of just <laughs> one. The horse survives? <laughs> Wait, was there anyone else outside? The you guys have a horse? Uh, yeah, there's people milling about. Oh. Yeah, you see people. I'll wait outside, too. Okay. So three of you, and so I'll the rest of you are going inside. Yeah. Okay. So you go in. Um, off to your right, there's kind of an open room with a couple tables and chairs mismatched um not the most decorated place but seems very clean in fact some people are sitting there look to be uh drinking talking to one another calmly um you look to your left you see what looks to be some kind of couch cushion seating area and then a door that's ajar uh and there's a word scratched over top of the door that just says office Straight ahead, you can see a hallway that moves into the back side of the building. Kind of can't quite see what's back there, and there's a staircase that goes up on the left-hand side. I'm going to go knock on the door that says office. Okay. Door creaks open, and you see a desk. You see a couple of shelves with a handful of books that are up there. Um, it looks to be a few other baubles and trinkets and, like, and the like. And there's a man who is looking over, pouring over some kind of book, writing in it, and he's got uh, set on his on his desk a lamp that's giving light to the room because the sun at this point is almost fully down, and there's only a barely tiny bit of light getting into the into the city itself. And you look at him, and he's a older man, maybe 50s or 60s, balding. I've got gray, grayish, grayish black hair around the temples, little bits of white. Um, sideburns go down a little bit far, but doesn't have any other facial hair. Seems to be clean shaven. Other than that, um, big old bushy eyebrows as well, and uh, he's got a crinkly, kind-looking face. And he just looks up at you, uh, and he says, "Can I help you?" Hi, pardon. Um, I'm looking for Loudon. You, f- you found him. I'm, I'm Loudon. Oh, Loudon. pleasure to meet you. Loudon Hats, and, and who might you be? Uh, I'm Emily Duke. Emily. Duke, uh, you're new here. Yes. Uh, you've got that scent about you. That that green look. Yes, it's, it's we all have it from time to time. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, here yeah, are you. Um, uh, well, you're here in my room. So must, you must be here on your own accord. I, there is a group of us. Yes, we're just here looking for some work. Work? Oh. Um, things that bad back in the monarchy that you have to come all the way to the edge of the world to find work. Well, a little bit, to be honest. This is a shame. Uh, As he talks, you notice that he doesn't really open his mouth very right. His his teeth are kind of clenched. Looks like he's got some issue with his jaw. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of jutting off to the side. Almost as if he's he's sort of throwing the words, whispering them out. Um, But, um, work, yes. Um, Well, um, 
not really an employer, so to speak. We're actually here sort of on a job already. Ah. So we're looking for... Do you have lodging available? Um, yes, but um, normally... You're new, so I'm of our partners. But normally, I deal in those who have been recently released from prison. Oh, coast. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, of course, um, for someone new, uh, I'll be happy to make um, exception. Uh, how, how many are in your group? There's... Three of us That's here ten. and three of us outside. Yeah, there's six. Six. Oof, yes. Um, I, I don't really have private rooms. It's really just. Oh, um, we can share. Yeah, that's no problem. It's yeah, it's uh, large rooms and people share and bunk beds and mm-hmm. the like. It's it's honestly just about a half step up from what they have to deal with up the coast. So, um. But uh, we've got three meals, uh, morning, noon, uh, and we are we are just eating outside a barbecuing tonight. I think some someone netted a boar from the woods. Um, but uh, I I can he starts flipping through his pages and he's looking tracking his finger down some of the ledger and it, yes um I yeah so I suppose I can make some temporary arrangements for your group to stay um you've made it through the medical check um i imagine you were greeted by one of the governor's lackeys and yes okay so you're understanding the rules and whatnot um i do have a curfew um so no one no one's no one leaves past uh, past the witching hour. They stay here. Um, if you're not back by the time I close the doors, you don't come back inside. It's got to be order. These people need order. If you uh, if you want more long-term arrangements, you're planning to stay in the city, then we can have a discussion later. Um, are you able to pay, or are you looking for favor economy? What do you prefer? Uh, we were inquiring how much it would it cost. Um, well, um, silver, I suppose, for night and some refreshment with it, I suppose. For each of you. Okay. Yeah, we can afford that. You can. You guys do have funds that you can dip into from time to time. But yeah, uh, you do have some funds. Some some member he gave you uh, like a little chest with some some coins in for you know various things you might need it for. Um, But okay. But uh, yeah. So um, and he gets up, kind of slowly jerks his back a little bit and then he leans over he's got a little bit of a hunch and then he stretches and stands up straight uh he's probably five foot four so not, not particularly tall at all he's got a little bit of a paunchy gut um but again it's fairly friendly comes around um 
extends his hand, sees yours, and oh, um, oh, that's, I'm sure there's a story behind that. Uh, uh, yes. Um, hopefully you'll um, feel like telling it one day. Um, but uh, co- come, come with me and um, uh, see three. Where are the others? With our cart outside. Come, in, uh, introduce me to your, to your, your friends. Sure. So then Emily like leads him towards outside, and she goes. So this is Bruno. Uh, this is Sophia, mm-hmm. Bear, yes. Chovy, and then Irwin. He goes up and he like he, he he does one of those two-handed handshakes where he reaches out, grabs you with one hand, and pats you with the other. This left, and he kind of looks you in the eye. Pleasure, pleasure. Loudon, Loudon hurts. Loudon hurts. Nice to meet you, Loudon hurts. Uh, he's got these kind of gray blue crystal eyes and he's got he's got that kind of kind old man face you know like the like he just looks like a kind old man he says um so i've negotiated rooms if one of you would be so kind as to take the cart around back um well situate yourself the talk to denny um he usually handles the the animals um be careful we've got uh, we've got a goat back there who has quite a bit of a temper and doesn't much care to be situated next to horses so just be very careful a hell of a hell of a yeah headbutt that one has <laughs> um but you grab some grab some food and um your rooms will be and he's thinking as he's looking up the third in Six of you, that's going to be three per room. Um, the second and third room to the left, on your left. Go okay. up the stairs, left, second and third. Okay. Yes, that's correct. So, if you pardon me, and he goes back inside, and you all go and you, you grab some food. Um, is there anything in particular you're looking to do? this evening or are you ready to as we're eating listen around and see if anyone talks about anything interesting because there are people outside eating right sure there are yeah uh go ahead and you can roll a routine eavesdrop test if you like so okay so you hear a few things so you hear stuff about the new people you hear there's something about uh, lumber crews pushing a little further north found they found another one they found another another grove and stuff like that so that's about it okay all right, you all ready to retire for the evening? You head up, find your rooms, bellies filled with barbecued pork, and uh, and you nestle in. How are we splitting? Who's going with whom? Me and Emily, and who else wants to come with us? Me. Anchovy. Okay. And Gretel. Okay. And then it'll be me, Sophia, and Bear. All right. So as you all head and check your rooms out, they're very plain, um, crude, you know, basic wood paneling on the walls, small window with shutters, no no, no pane on the windows, just shutters, um, basic cots with with blankets um, and uh, little foot lockers um, near each of the beds. There's, uh, there's a bunk bed in each room, and then there's like one cot on the side. Um, I'll climb on the top bunk oh, bed. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Hey, this is the best we've had in days. So as you all... No, it is, actually. As you... For actually quite some time. Yeah. Since, like, since well, Vice Haven. Yeah, you guys I'm haven't excited. really slept in a bed in, in some time. I'm excited. <laughs> the little things. 
So, um, as you all settle in uh, for the night, I need everyone, as you're, as you're sleeping, as you're trying to sleep, tossing and turning, getting used, trying to get the blankets quite right, trying to get your, you want to be on your left side or on my right side, and some of you, the taller bear, your feet are kicking out the end of the bed because you're just too darn tall, and those of you on the top bunks are looking at the various engravings, previous occupants, red was here, you know, etc. that kind of stuff. Oh, so it was Brooks. Uh, and, oh no, I did that backwards. Um, it's, it's well past sundown. You don't really hear any, any voices anymore in the building. And you suddenly, as if it's just this, not suddenly actually, quite quietly, almost like a crescendo, you hear what sounds like crickets at first, cicadas, this, this little buzz just beginning to cascade in through the window from outside until it becomes this strange intermittent this mixture of a bug sound and almost like a whisper. I need everyone to make a resolve test. I needed to roll a 41. I rolled a 2. Passed. Anyone fail? Fail. 29 pass. Passed with a 7. Okay. He doesn't have to. It's for stress, and so with him, we would just, because he's got a trait. Uh, Eight points of mental peril. And as you all try to fall asleep, um, we'll say, Sophia, you have trouble falling asleep. And you you hear these intermittent sounds. You come to the window, you look out briefly, and you see what looks to be a dark city. No no moonlight, no starlight. And then you see a, a sudden light appear somewhere a few blocks over, and another one appear in a different block. As you watch, these lights begin to just move. You can see them diffuse off the walls of these different buildings that you're entirely unfamiliar with. All the while, you're hearing that buzzing in your ears, the mixture of bug-like, bug-like sounds and strange whispers. And then you see from below a light suddenly appear. And as you watch this light moves, you realize it's a torch held by a figure dressed in some sort of dark hooded robe and it seems to move out and away from the dormitory itself down a street in the direction where these suddenly dozen other lights appearing in different areas throughout the city that you have a decent view of as the second story window and they seem to congregate somewhere in the city and immediately the lights go out.
Hey everybody, Jeff here again, just saying thank you for listening to episode number nine of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. All right, well, the crew has finally made it to their ultimate destination, and hopefully their investigation will soon start turning up new information about the disappearance of Gabriel Zeiger and whether or not he still even lives. Stick around next week for episode 10 and see whether or not the party makes any progress. Spoiler alert, probably not, knowing this bunch. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to shamelessly beg again for reviews on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes and also on Stitcher. That would be great, too. Uh, both of these, in fact, uh, would be especially helpful. So uh, we hope you're also subscribed and that you're uh, following the show's main Twitter feed at Lollygagger Co., where I uh, announce most of the uh, most of the news related to the podcast. Now, I just received my Kickstarter rewards for the Mon Gauche campaign, so keep an eye out for a special contest we're going to have for our followers and listeners, where we'll probably talk a little bit more about that next week. And now to end the episode, uh, here's a bit of world building with some history on Bachman's Ruin. An ill-fated expedition. Except from ever northward, where the world ends by Stefan Bergwell, historian. In the year of the Rhine, 327 AF, famed explorer Franz Bachmann, the only child of the Bachmann family, a not inconsequential family of the ruling aristocracy known as the Blood, commissioned an exploratory voyage to chart the Northwest Territory that now bears his name. The voyage, according to those closest to the family, was met not with pride, but instead with great concern and scepticism by Franz's parents, Patrice and Eleanor Bachmann. With his parents well past the age where they could have more children, Franz was the sole inheritor of the Bachmann fortune and the singular hope for extending their bloodline. This, however, had never been of interest or concern to the younger Bachmann, Indeed, for his entire life, Franz avoided the courts at Oxeton and other social circles, rejecting his parents' attempts to arrange suitable marriage partners, and therefore remained a bachelor until the time of his ill-fated expedition, at which point he was forty-one years of age. Buckman was, by all accounts, an able seaman and captain, his family owning controlling interest in the largest whaling company out of Northpunkt, Despite the possibility for a life of great comfort and ease, Bachman did not merely sit in a boardroom and read ledgers. No, he was a man of action, captaining, beginning at a very young age, numerous ships, using the resources of his family and their business endeavors to venture further and further into the White Sea to the north, braving Kusev's chill to the east, rounding the northern continent until reaching the exotic isles of Oporu. Establishing there the Rhine's first trade routes with Oporu's reclusive peoples. To the south, he crossed the Gulf of Esterlau, despite the superstitions surrounding the Isle of Godfor, and circumnavigated the southern continent more than once. In short, he was an accomplished navigator, explorer, and diplomat. Across the Rhine and in the great halls of Oxterton, there was no shortage of praise for his accomplishments. Even the lowborn looked to him not with fear or disgust, but with pride and admiration. Yet despite this, Franz Bachmann was known to be a restless man. Those who knew him best described him how a naturalist might a shark, always moving, lest he drown. After his expedition was deemed lost, rumors began to spread that his restlessness derived not from ambition for discovery, 
but from a fear that complacency and resignation brought one more swiftly to death. Still, it was with an ambitious gaze that Franz Bockman looked westward and northward, desperate to cross the far waters and achieve what no other had done, a bold and what some called a reckless endeavor. Ironically, his decision to head first through the Northwest Territory, charting the territory as far as he could, was actually deemed a prudent course by most seafaring minds, although there was and still is no knowledge of how far the territories of the ruined extend, remaining so close to land rather than aimlessly travelling across the storm-filled far waters was the type of decision a seasoned and veteran captain would make. The prevailing belief was that charting the ruins' coast might yield a safer passage, sight of western lands or treasures worthy of the Rhine. While Franz Bockman commanded the expedition, there were actually two vessels, the Rosa Gallica, captained by Bachmann himself, and the Seventh Bell, captained by Anya Song, an elvish woman whose selection by Bachmann both surprised and infuriated many in Oxterton's halls, not only because of her elven heritage, but because she had been, until that point, considered by mariners to be something of a pirate and freelancer not beholden to the monarchy. Unsurprisingly, Captain Song's crew was comprised of numerous elves, a condition, most historians agree, of her acceptance of Bachman's invitation. It is no secret to say that Bachman was eager to have her on the expedition. Sophomoric historians often suggest a romantic link between the two captains, but there is no accepted evidence, and those with a more discerning understanding of the principal figures involved believe their relationship was one of mutual, professional respect and admiration. Despite more than a fair share of familial and governmental concerns and objections, the expedition departed with great fanfare from the city of Clybow, the ships passing northward along the Thorn Coast and by Weishaven, where it's said the Grand Monarch travelled to bid the explorers farewell. The last recorded sighting of the Rosa Gallica, the seventh bell in all of their number, was by a merchant vessel, filled to the brim with oils, passing over Oban's Trench, near the southern tip of the ruin, near where the Rhine established the colony of Verdum so many generations later. The captain of the merchant vessel, Dimo Roth, reported both ships in fair health and their crews in good spirits. Exploratory voyages of this kind being what they are, the Bachman expedition faded quickly from the public's memory in the weeks and months that followed its departure. After a year, rumblings of concern grew in the places that matter. After a second year, Clybow officially listed the vessels as overdue, and after a third year, a month before the deaths of Franz Bockman's only living family, his parents, in a tragic fire in Oxterton, Clybow officially listed the vessels as lost, both crew and ships unrecoverable. Before their death, Bockman's parents beseeched the halls in Oxterton to send a second expedition to learn of their son's fate. And while this was not uncommon practice and not outright rejected, war had broken out with the Inataka, stalling the Rhine's ventures on the southern continent, committing most of its navy to troop transport duty across the Gulf of Esterau. Once the warring ceased, the Bachmann's parents were dead, and with no one of any repute left the call for a second expedition, interest faded. What befell the expedition? Weather, sickness, Navigational error is unknown. Perhaps cruelly, or perhaps fittingly, the Northwest Territories across the White Sea colloquially came to be known as Bachman's Ruin, 
a name that is old but official. 